Welcome one, welcome all. You are in the WordPress shop and your wonderful hosts, Adam and Colleen, are here to guide you through answering all of your questions about WordPress. This is a topic that Adam and Colleen both love geeking out about. They are here for it. I'm Colleen LeMasters of Colleen LeMasters Creative, and I specialize in WordPress websites, both design and development. I use thoughtful strategy to create beautifully crafted and optimized websites that are also easy to manage on a day-to-day basis for my clients. Adam Miggetts, located in South Carolina, is a web developer focused on integrating custom functionality to websites. Now let's jump into the episode. Today must be the day that Google is sending everything because my email was blowing up. And it was like your report for Google. And I, you know, I started ignoring it after a while because I wasn't ready to look at that. But then in the midst of that, I found an actual email that I was waiting on. And so I was just reading that one. I was like, oh, no, it got lost in the shuffle. So what a way to start my first day back in the office in 2024, right? <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I actually split up my, my emails. I'm like, okay, this email I'm using for this, this email. I know it sounds weird, but I kind of have to do that because half the time I don't check like certain emails because that's kind of like, you know, gets... Uh, well, you use them more for administrative things. Right, right. Rather than administrative sure. or even like, it's you know, smart. news newsletters from other, other sites and stuff, you know. So it's just, you know, bombarded with stuff. So I don't go through all that. So if like a client, I'm like, no, don't email me there. And then I have them email me somewhere else because otherwise I'll never see it. <laughs> No, it's true. It's true. And like you, the important stuff gets lost in all of that noise that is, you know, the other 95% of my inbox. But anyway, that's a good tip. I, I actually should probably look at, at redirecting some email or at least setting up rules in my email. You know, you can set up a rule that says, hey, if it's from Google Search Console with this in the subject line, uh, you know, send it here so it, it doesn't cloud my my inbox. But anyway, that is not the topic of our room today. Our room today is all about setting up your website for 2024. So this is the the reason that I, I think this is important is because this is everyone's out there talking about their fresh starts. I am totally, you know, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I, I do it as well about how to, you know, start fresh, and a lot of times it's important to start with some housekeeping. It's not necessarily about all the things that you want to, like all the goals necessarily, but rather, but rather doing like, you know, a bit of housekeeping things like the, the footer, it, your copyright. That's like the big one that I cannot mm-hmm. tell you. And maybe this is because I, I live in this world and so I pay attention to it. But if I am on just in my everyday life, looking at someone's website for, I don't know, like I want to buy a new, a new sweater. I don't know. (laughs) And I can go on the clothing website and I look at their footer and it's like copyright 2017. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If they don't even have the kind of wherewithal to like update, you know, I know that their site hasn't been updated in that long is my point. And so it kind of gives me pause. I have to really like that sweater. If I'm willing to go and be like, well, they haven't updated their technology, like, and this is where my mind goes, is my credit card information safe? Like, if they're not updating this, what else are they not updating? And is my information safe? And that it starts a whole thing in my head. And it (laughs) probably is just me because, again, this is the world I live in. But little things like that can have a big, you know, impact on your on your ideal client. So wanted to throw that out there as one of the things to put on your housekeeping list. (laughs) 
Well, and I'll just add to the footer thing about the footer is a lot of times something that that a lot of people don't I don't ever need to look at it because it's always always the same. Who cares? So they don't you know it's kind of like out of their mind. They're like, oh, I'm not gonna. So they're just gonna basically update all the other pages, all the other things, and they're not even gonna look at the uh, the footer. You know, so rather than have some kind of a checklist or some kind of something where it, it reminds them to do everything. Um, or what I've been doing with sites is I'll put a, uh, a usually I do a short code, but I guess you could do a block. I mean, kind of overkill for a block, but um, but you can do a short code where basically it just you know returns the current date uh, or the current year. So or if you wanted you know the start date of your you know of your website you know from you know 2017 dash and then the the current date it'll return that and then you can put that where put that short code wherever you want. Oh, I like that short code idea. That's that's handy. I do like that. I when I code mine, I do something similar, but I I code it dynamically in PHP. So it's coded in the footer. It automatically rolls over when the clock you know hits midnight on on January first. All the sites, um, all of my themes, all of my my sites that I've created will do that automatically. But it's tricky when you know, and this actually, Adam, might be something we should consider doing for one of our video tutorials because I was thinking about this. A lot of people are using like Astra or Hello Elementor as their kind of their base theme that they're they're working off of, and you don't ever want to update. You know, most of those themes, I believe, I'm not 100% certain, but since they're pretty reputable, I believe that they will they will include a place to update the footer yourself. Like, so within the dashboard, it's not coded. You know, you can go into the, the settings of the site or something and update that copyright info. However, a lot of times people may look in the code and you don't want to update the code of your your theme because the next time that you run an update on that theme that you know Astra pushes out an update or something like that it's going to overwrite your code so i was thinking that um you know in the coming weeks we should probably do a video tutorial on how to set up a child theme because it's super super easy and it sounds really intimidating but anytime you want to make theme changes you should really do it in a child theme. But again, because it's a kind of an intimidating thing, people don't necessarily know how to do it. Yeah, that's handy. If you're going to have a lot of, a lot of uh, changes, you know, in your, that are specific to your theme, but that goes, that, that raises, could raise a lot of other questions. Like if you're going to have a lot of changes in your theme and a lot of, or, or I should say specific things for that site, then should that site be an actual custom theme? You know, so then that that raises that issue. I've I've been kind of off of child themes only because I've been using just the the WordPress latest theme, the twenty twenty four, and I just customize that with the site site editor, and then I can add add a plugin that adds you know dynamic stuff if I want. So I mean, I I've been, I've been just using you know diving into that aspect and using this full site editor on a WordPress theme, so. Right, which is really, I mean, the, the advancements of the new, like, for example, the 2024 theme that has come out, they make things like that really easy. I just know that I have a, a, a good handful of clients that are using, you know, some popular ready-to-go themes like Astra and some of those. And so when it does come time to to make some updates, it's like, well, we don't want to do this in the code. We need to, you know, and if it's not something that the theme author has otherwise accounted for within like a dashboard area that they've coded in, then you need to, you know, 
otherwise, yeah, I mean, doing a custom theme, I would love that because I am, I'm like, I look at these themes all the time and there's always more in there than my clients need always because they're, you know, in fairness, they're trying, the theme developers are trying to appeal to the masses and they, you know, they need it to do a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But as the end user, you know, as the client, you're like, well, I know what I need it to do. It needs to do this particular element. I'm never going to need that aspect of it, but it's, it's kind of out there hanging out in your theme. So I, a lot of times will look at, in fact, I can think of one client right off the top of my head where they have solid design and, um, but they are using one of those base themes. And I look at that and I'm like, gosh, I should just recode that into a custom theme to get rid of all that extra stuff. Again, that also comes with time and money that they may or may not have. So that's one of the considerations and where kind of a child theme, you know, comes in really handy. If you're just going to change, we should, we should throw out, if you're just going to change colors and, you know, like font styles and things like that, you don't necessarily need a child theme. You don't need a child theme to do that. A child theme is best used for when you want to change PHP code or um, heavy adjustments to the layout or the architecture of the site, but you still want a kind of a fallback. So for example, going back to the copyright in the footer example, if you had a child theme, you would just take the footer.php file in your parent theme, make the changes that you wanted to make in that child theme, you'd copy it into your child theme, make the changes. And then that would really be the only, you know, file aside from the necessary ones for the child theme. But your your child theme would consist of like four files, a style sheet, a functions file, and maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's just two, or maybe it's three if you count the footer, but, um, and then you use the parent as the fallback. So I know that there is, there've been leaps and bounds made as far as the, the direction of WordPress and not having to rely on child themes, but just for almost like a, maybe a backwards compatibility aspect, maybe um, that's where the child themes come in. But you know, just the the main thing is that you want to go and kind of take stock of your website as it is right now. And the new year is a great time to do that. So first thing on the list would be to do, uh, to update your copyright info. And I don't, uh, Adam, do you have any insight on whether it be legality or uh, best practice, maybe might be a better word, best practice for the, just the current year? Or I like to have on, on my sites whenever possible, I like to have a starting year. So like I started my business in 2012. So, you know, copyright 2012 through, you know, insert current year here kind of thing. That's my approach. But I do see a lot of people just using the copyright of the current year. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? I like the start year, but I mean, it's preference of, you know, the site owner. So however they want to want to do it. Yeah, I, I guess it really, I mean, I don't know, again, not a lawyer, so I can't really speak to the legality of it. But um, I also just from the the best practice perspective, I also like to kind of establish, like, hey, I've been around a while, like, I, I know a thing or two, you know, like, so I think that having that extra, that extra span of dates instead of just the current year, kind of lends itself to that as well. So that's something uh, to consider. Move on to, don't forget about to beginning of the years, the great time to update your terms of service too. Oh, that is a really good one. You know what? You're tr- it's, it's a really good time to, because if you're anything like me, you probably spent the end of December, beginning of January thinking about 
okay, what are, what's my, my game plan for the year? Like, you know, you probably set some goals for the business or maybe your business is, you know, you kind of change directions. Right. And so one of my goals is to really get my, get what I call my base theme. And, you know, obviously I'm doing custom websites that are highly, highly tailored to the individual client, but I also have been wanting to kind of mess around with these base themes that they're kind of like the model home approach is what I, I liken them to, where the architecture is kind of in place and it serves the purpose that you need. This is great for people who are just kind of getting started with their website and don't necessarily want to go to like theme forest because yeah, those demos look great. But then when you buy it and install it, you can never, I can't ever, and I do this for a living, get the site to look exactly like the demo. It's always super frustrating. And so my clients be like, I bought this beautiful site and I thought this was going to be what it looked like. And it doesn't. So the base theme kind of straddles that line between, um, you know, a a pre-purchased theme and a custom option in that I have the, the, rough architecture done, but then I will work with my clients to put on what I call the, the interior flourishes, like the, you know, like the same way you would choose your finishes in a model home, you would come in and we would choose your font colors, or, you know, you tell me your font, your fonts and, and brand colors, things like that. So it does have that customization. And then you are also not left holding the bag, trying to get it all set up. So that is a total tangent on what I was talking about, but that's one of the the goals. So I've been sitting here thinking about, okay, well, what do I need to update on my site to reflect where I'm going to be hopefully in the next three to four months and updating your terms of service to include, you know, what's included in the base themes in my example, but that's a great thing to do. And along with that, your privacy policy, you know, if there've been any changes or anything like that in the data that you're collecting or anything, uh, take a look at your privacy policy and and make sure that that is, it's available, number one, that you have it on your website and also that it's reflective of everything that you might be collecting and kind of covering yourself in that regard. So terms of service, privacy policy, great ideas to, to look at uh, to start the year off. Uh, one of the other ones that I think is often overlooked <laughs> is checking your forms. So if you have a contact form or any sort of sales funnel or anything like that, you have probably, you know, you probably set it up and then you, you know, you respond to these inquiries as they come in. Um, but it's always good to check from a user perspective, you know, like make sure you're not logged into the back end of your website or or look at your website in incognito or private window and walk through the, the sales funnel that you expect your clients or customers to do and kind of take it into their perspective. Like how easy is it? Are the forms, first of all, are they functioning? You know, are they firing? Are you getting the responses? But then also like how much friction is there from a user perspective and, and walking through that process can be really, really insightful. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you, if, if, you know, clients like, Hey, I clicked on this and now I get, you know, a blank screen or I get this other weird thing and then it's like, Oh, that's no good. <laughs> so yeah. A question came up um, when we were talking about privacy policies and things about, you know, obligations by the, sounds like the Canadian government to translate a website to French. There are plugins that will do that for you. I've used a couple because we have a lot of Spanish speakers as well. And so I've used sites that, or I've created sites that use these plugins to create things in Spanish, like have an English and Spanish version. And there's a couple different ways that you guys can do it. So one of the things you want to look for when you're looking for a plugin is whether or not you want to have 
a, and these are the, the types of sites that you see more frequently, especially on the higher end sites. They have, you know, like a little EN link up in the like top right corner an FR for French or an IT for Italian. And you click that and then it takes you to elcreative.com slash FR and it'll show you the French version of the site or it's, you know, it could be on a subdomain as well. So like fr.clcreative.com if I had a French version. So there are plugins that will do that for you. The easiest option that I have, I have found, um, because I also am not a native Spanish speaker. So that's, that is, I know a couple words here and there. I could probably order in a restaurant and that's as good as I'm getting. So if you don't want to translate anything, if you don't speak French, you don't speak Spanish or whatever the language is that you want to translate, there are plugins that will allow you to, it will rely on Google Translate, uh, which might be a good option as well. So keep in mind, you're relying on Google Translate, which isn't always, you know, it, it'll get you close, but it may not be exactly. So I would, I would recommend um, looking for a plugin that uses that kind of as a fallback, but gives you the option to customize those languages, you know, on maybe a per page basis, I could see a terms of service and a privacy policy being, you know, have those actively translated by a professional or native speaker. And then, you know, maybe it's your blog post, you don't necessarily need every single one of your blog posts translated by a professional, you know, you can rely on Google for that, perhaps, but um, the plugin that I use just for kind of a down and dirty, you know, test this out, it was free, was, I'm, I'm scrolling so I can pull the name of it for you that I've used on on my sites as well, was, drumroll please, da, 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 Google Language Translator. Um, it is by Translate AI Multilingual Solutions, and it uses, solely uses Google Translate to to put the language in there. And it's more than just Spanish, you know, it has a ton of languages in there. So I would recommend giving that one a whirl. It is maintained pretty regularly. It was last updated about three, four weeks ago, and it is compatible up to the current version of WordPress. So it's worth a look. Um, that one doesn't even require any sort of, you know, subdomain or anything like that. Some of the other ones will walk you through how to set up that subdomain situation. But that's an interesting, I didn't realize that the governments were requiring in certain countries requiring, you know, different languages. So that's, that's interesting to have that as well. But that's, that's a good plugin to get you started. So hopefully that will help out and in the the travels of language because the wordpress does have a lot of translation plugins but that's the one that i've found to be really easy to get you started yeah that's always you know always good when you find you find the right uh plugin that'll that'll work for you but i'm sure there's other ones i haven't actually had the to uh to use some of these um there was one that i i did come across years ago but i can't remember that name of it but uh yeah i'll have to look at the one that you just uh you just mentioned so that, that's a good good deal so cool yeah, that's a um, that's a good one. And then as far as other kind of housekeeping things, like I said, walk through the sales funnel as as a customer would. I think that's really important because I've done that before where I'm like, okay, well, I know how functionality wise, like I, I can envision how I want this process to go and how I as the business owner want to receive information. But from a client perspective, I'm like, well, you know, would I really want to be putting in, you know, require a phone number, require a, a email address, require like, yes, I personally think an email address is not too big of an ask, but you know, a, a physical address, I, you know, I don't need a physical address. Do I want that to be required? No, that's silly. You know, so walk through um, that process. Unless you're, unless you have to do shipping stuff, then yeah. 
Well, yes, for shipping, certainly. Yeah. But like, as far as, you know, as just like a, a contact inquiry or something like that, you know, you want to make that process as, as painless as possible. So checking the forms and that, that, you know, those sales funnels, I think is important. What are some of the other, the other ways you can get your 2024 site or get your site ready for the the year do you have any those were my big ones really was because the forms i feel like always kind of get lost in the shuffle and you know do a do an audit is probably a good one well i was just going to say that the the plug-in audit should be regularly or at least quarterly so uh but you know all the same stuff yes. we we say to to do at least quarterly like plug-in audits and and you know backups and and things like that should definitely you know be in your your new year stuff too but uh yeah, just the the anything that's maybe you know is looks looking to change. Like if you, you know, maybe had something that says you know uh, one page that says like you know oh uh, two thousand twenty three here's all the stuff you know and then it's like okay show maybe I need to make you know another group of pages that's two thousand twenty four or another something at you know whatever it is you know so just you know just just make sure your your site reflects that it's you know you're moving forward. For sure. Exactly. And it's, it's important to remember that your site is not a set it and forget it, you know, launch it and leave it is one of the, I think that was um, one of the terms that, that we've used previously because so many people do kind of treat their website and I, I get it because when you're a business owner, you are wearing all the hats and maybe it's not your full-time thing. Maybe it's a side hustle. So you're wearing even more hats, right? Because your time is limited. So I, I understand where people are coming from, but you want to make sure that you are are taking care of your website and number one, that it still reflects what your your goals and your mission are. You want to make sure that it still reflects your your business values and think about, you know, the the types of social media platforms that you're posting on. You know, I, I've come across client sites when I'm onboarding new clients and they're like, here's my website. And they have, I've had clients where they have social media icons without any, you know, because it came standard with their theme, the, the Facebook doesn't link anywhere. They don't have a Facebook or they're not using it or they're not updating it. So make sure that you're taking the time to, you know, kind of comb through your content, look for some broken links. If you have any of those, it's worthwhile to update or find the new link or remove the, the link to the content, um, get rid of the broken links. Anything that leads to a 404 is is worthwhile to remove that will help with some SEO stuff. And then, you know, I would say as a, as kind of a bonus option here, and this one, it does take a little bit more time, especially for those, if you have bigger sites with a lot more content, but it, it's worthwhile doing is that you should go through some of your old content and maybe reorganize, look at reorganizing it and pulling out some H tags, you know, some, some content and putting them in H tags if you haven't done that already. So that will signal to Google like, Hey, here's something important. Let's pay attention to it. Um, but it's worth kind of doing some of those audits as well. In addition to some of the technical like plugin audits and backups and things like that. But which reminds me, I did want to say one quick thing about the the plugin audit. Um, the big thing to look for on the plugin audit, when you look at your back end, you look at your list of plugins, look at how many you are actively using. And because I can't tell you, I've looked at my plugins and I, you know, I'll run the updates and everything. And then I'll be like, you know what? I 
do not need that plugin anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not using that one. What's I used to use bit.ly as a link shortener. And so, um, back when I had Jetpack and it would automatically connect to my social platforms and it would send a bit.ly link instead of a big, long, ugly URL, you know, but I'm not using Jetpack. I'm not using bit.ly. I don't need those plugins that do those jobs anymore. So I got rid of them. Yeah. I was keeping them up to date, but they were just hanging out there. So I got rid of those important to think about things like that as well. But then you know, going back to the front end of the site, doing that audit of your content, take a look at yours this is a great time to take a look at your analytics and see what content has resonated the most with your users. And that will help you figure out where you want to go and what kind of content you want to generate in the next, you know, next year. So that's also worth a look. Going back, you had mentioned the, um, the heading tags, you know, H1, H2. Uh, I've heard Google actually like if you ha- if you use too many is I don't know if this is correct or not. If there's if you use too many like H1 tags, doesn't it kind of put the strike against you on your site? I don't know. I heard that somewhere. I you know, I've heard multiple things as well. And my school of thought, because I've heard I've heard both, you know, like you there is having too many or having more than one H tag is not, you know, the be all end all. But on the other hand, I could certainly see where if you just put everything in an H1, Google's going to be like, "Mm, come on, like we, we know. So my rule of thumb is that I only have one H tag per post or per page. And it is the, the title, the page title or the post title. And then I will use H2s you know, following down, because again, from an ADA, you know, a website accessibility compliance standpoint, you also want to use those tags in order. So I will have my, any headlines that appear in my posts are H2, and then a sub headline is H3. I'll be honest, I don't use a ton of H4 through H6, but you know, they're there. If I ever needed them, they would be there. But really between the H1, which again, I only use one, and then H2s and H3s are kind of my my sweet spot, and I use those accordingly. So I, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, but that's what I do. Yeah, and that seems very <clears throat> that seems like the the order that it should be placed in. But I didn't. I just had. I think people kind of go nuts with you know put everything in an H1 tag and you know throw it on there. So, <laughs> but I, I but again, it, I was in some things that I've read that some people are saying Google doesn't like that. If there's too many, I guess it maybe confuses their their. Uh, their you know website crawlers and stuff when it says oh that was like 20 h h ones i don't know which ones to to to, uh right yeah and i think that the important thing is is that you want to use kind of some common sense here is that if it's something that's really important then yeah maybe it belongs in an h1 tag but for me going just because my my you know ocd brain wants everything neat and orderly and in outline form I only have the one H1 because that's my title. And then the H2s are my kind of my section headlines, if you will. And then the H3s would be the subheads within those sections just because I, I, I thrive on that order. So that's kind of where, where I, I live. But, it, you know, I don't think it will hurt you if you have something that's really important that lives in an H1. I don't think that that is... Um, you know, gonna, gonna be to your detriment. I wouldn't go crazy with it. I probably wouldn't have more than, more than two, maybe three, if I'm really, you know, have something important to say, but, um, I would rely more on the H2s and the H3s when I'm, when I'm looking at that content to, you know, think about what to pull out and put in a headline form. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to keep everything, you know, and, and an organized, uh, structure. For sure. Yeah. 
One of the other items that I was going to quickly talk about as far as, you know, some of the, the checklist items was to look at your, and this is more on the tech side, but to kind of take some of the the scariness out of it, if it is intimidating, is to look at your how your website is performing from a speed optimization standpoint. So go to a website like GT Metrics or Pingdom, or I, I like GT Metrics just because they give you this kind of like waterfall look at, okay, this is exactly the thing that's taking up all the bandwidth, or this is the thing that has the heaviest load time. So run your website through there, take a look and see you know, what kind of grade it's getting. Um, you can do this through Google Lighthouse and stuff like that. If you're using Chrome, um, if you're in, in a Chrome browser, you can look at things like, you know, right click and then go to inspect in the Chrome browser and then go to Lighthouse and look at your performance that way. And, and you can get some insights there as to how your website is running. So again, GT Metrics, mm -hmm. Pingdom, Google Lighthouse, use, use some of those tools figure out how you can optimize your website for speed and things, you know, since we're on the topic of SEO, that's another, another important one is optimization and, and site speed, things like that. So I think I'm going through my list here. Of, well, just know, while you're thinking about that, let me just yeah. say, throw something about the, the speed. It's interesting. My, my friend is, uh, he does uh, marketing and for websites for, for his clients. And so, you know, we, we always go back and forth about, you know, what the, the best kind of speeds and, you know, different tools and things. And, you know, sometimes he can like, he'll go and he'll go to a GT metrics and he'll get a higher speed than a higher values than, uh, the Google one, which is, I found it interesting because like I'll, I'll check it. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting a, you know, 80, 80 on here or whatever, or whatever it is on the performance or under whatever. And Hill's like, no, 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 it's uh, I have 92. And I'm like, wait, which one are you using? You know? <laughs> so the tools actually matter. They isn't actually that, have, isn't that weird so how they are funny, different? Yeah. I don't know how to account for that either. So, I mean, it is worthwhile to kind of look at everything and, and get a, get a, you know, a broad scope or a broad look, but I don't know why they are different. Maybe Google, Google's just a little pickier about stuff. Who knows? I will say, I think they are. Um, and I, I, I go both sides of this because I'm like, on one hand, like, well, everyone's going to use Google. So I should probably, you know, defer to them on what they want. And, but on the other hand, I'm like, God, you are so picky. I don't, we don't need to worry about that. Like, that's ridiculous. Google, like back it up. Okay. Let's, let's just not be so picky because we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> and also don't go too nuts with the speed. So, I mean, yes, you want, you know, performance and speed and, and everything, you know, you know, a good average, you know, you want everything working properly, but there's pages that, you know, maybe if you have certain pages that are running that, that as long as your end user, as long as the users, you know, coming, you know, whoever's coming to your site and they're using that page, if they're happy and they see it the way they want it, they get all the information, everything's good, even though a speed, you know, a Google, whatever speed or GT metrics says, you know, oh, you should change it and, you know, make this better or whatever. Don't necessarily, I would listen more to your users than that in that case, you know, because in that case, unless it's really hurt, unless you're, you know, done like, you know, 20 on, you know, 20% on uh, performance, then, then obviously change something. But my point is just don't, don't go too nuts. If it's, you know, 90, if in the 90 range or upper eighties and the users are happy, I wouldn't really touch, you know, touch it. I would, I would leave that so that otherwise you don't want to mess up with whatever the users are seeing. That's a really, really important point because in in an effort to be chasing that that you know perfect one hundred score, 
you might do something that would be more damaging to the user experience, like the actual user experience than you intended to. So, I mean, if you're getting the conversions that you expect, that you want, if you're, you know, if everything is running, you know, at that like 90 plus, then I wouldn't go fiddling with anything too much, but just look at it, know what, Hey, but at the end of the day, if you are getting a 92 and you can't get a hundred because there's some plugin that needs, let's, okay, let's do this. Let's WooCommerce. You know, we know that it takes a lot of horsepower, right? Adam, I know it's your favorite. I say <laughs> sarcastically, uh, but I need WooCommerce to power my store. Like it, it has to happen. And so I'm not going to achieve that perfect 100 because I need, you know, the benefit outweighs the cost in that regard. And I'm getting the conversions that I need. You know, all my goals are being met. So I'm not going to stress too much. So there's there's a good real life example for you right there. Yeah, exactly. Like that's 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 exactly a good good example um, for. Yeah, exactly. Like e-commerce, you know, because, again, you, you start loading a lot of e-commerce stuff and, and you know, your that that speed performance or uh, other whatever the whatever the other categories are they're going to they're going to drop so as long as they're not as long as you're at least in the 80s if not you know hopefully 90s then you're good if it drops it to like you know 15 20 percent then it's like okay wait a minute something right <laughs> then, yeah. then you need to look at some things yeah for sure one of the other things that i i want to throw out maybe we we don't necessarily need to get into it because i think it could actually probably be its own topic unto itself user-friendly navigation and I cannot stress enough how important this is. There is like, what's that saying about indecision by paralysis or, you know, something like that when, when presented with too many choices, you just don't choose. So that is something to keep in mind. Look at your nav and put that on your 2024, 20, you know, new year checklist. Look at your nav and make sure that you're not giving people too many choices because ultimately the goal of the website should be you're guiding them, right? You know, this is kind of the, as a parent, I can use this analogy where you're like, oh, you're not going to want to eat those carrots. Nope, nope, you you can't do it. Just don't eat them. They're terrible. You won't like them all. And then in an effort to get your kid to eat carrots, right? So you have to use some of that like psychology, whether it be reverse or otherwise, but you want to use some of that psychology to guide your users where you want them to go. You know, don't just leave it up to them to like poke around and see what they land on, but try and figure out where, or you don't try and figure out, you should hopefully know where you want them to go, what you want them to do. And the nav should be that roadmap for them. So if they have too many stops on the roadmap, they're not going to get to the end destination, which is what you want. So take a look at your nav. I, I honestly think about like I, when I look at websites, I'm just like, holy mackerel, that is a whole slew of of stuff. Where do I begin? And it's overwhelming. So you don't want to be um, you don't want that same overwhelm mm -hmm. for your clients or your your customers. So take a look at your nav. Make sure it's really user friendly and easy to navigate. We want to thank you for coming and spending time out of your day here with us in the WordPress shop. OK, that concludes this episode. Our hosts will return with another topic in the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone.